for the after party. Welcome to the No Quarter Post Game Show on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Covering everything ECU and beyond. Guess who's back, 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 back again. Here are your hosts for the No Guess Quarter Post Game Show. Trent McGee and Pirate Football alum Eric Graham. Game show here on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. We're also experimenting with Facebook Live for the first time here on the Post Game Show. So if you're watching via that screen, we appreciate that. Many, many ways you can tune in to the No Quarter Post Game Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. I'm Trent McGee, Ben Byron producing. This afternoon's show, ECU was looking to snap a six-game road opening losing skid, but they'll have to wait until next season to do that as the Pirates fall to Georgia State today, 49-29. to ECU drops to 0-2 on the season. Georgia State improves to 1-1. Today's contest, the first-ever meeting between the Panthers and Pirates on the gridiron at Center Park Credit Union Stadium. Pete Pettit Field was the site today in Atlanta on what was a beautiful afternoon for football in the ATL. EC will now try and get win number one in 2020 on Saturday in Tampa against USF. Game time is set for 7 o'clock in that one. The Pirate Game Day Countdown with Patrick Johnson and company will begin at 4 o'clock next Saturday. So, ECU now 0-2. And, Ben, I had three keys to the game today for East Carolina. One was to get C.J. Johnson involved as much as possible in the passing game. Can I guess one? You can. Don't turn over the football. That should have been one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Force turnovers and to be effective on first down. They checked the box on one of those this afternoon. They did force turnovers. C.J. Johnson was not involved in the passing game at all. Had one catch, zero yards, and the Pirates not effective on first down, and that was a problem for ECU this afternoon, amongst other things. This afternoon, the Pirates also had 11 penalties. They now have 22 penalties through the first two games here in 2020, but a lot that ECU has to work on and get right, and get right quickly before USF, I'm sorry, yeah, USF on Saturday in Tampa. And Ben, it was a game that ECU got off to a great start. Warren Saba intercepts. Literally on the first play. Juan Brown on the first play of the game returns to 25 yards for a touchdown. Brown telegraphed that pass, and I thought, okay, here we go. The start the Pirates need on the road against a good Georgia State football team. Now, we knew coming into this game today, Georgia State had a good football team. I think when you look at this program, that has not been around for that long, roughly, I don't know, started maybe 11, 12 years ago. 08. Not long. You don't think about good football. Of course, there's no tradition there with good football. Georgia State's had some big wins, but you don't think of a good uh, tradition in football. So you think, at least I was thinking, that ECU, I thought it would be a close game, a tough game, but I thought they would play better than they did against UCF on both sides of the ball. And special teams. The special teams played pretty good today. And I thought they would go into 
Atlanta and come away with a win. Not the case. Georgia State turned up the offense after that opening pick six, scoring 21 unanswered points there in the first quarter, and they did so quickly. We'll go through the scoring here before we get into the particulars of today's game. You may call in if you'd like, 561-4263. That's 561-GAME, 252-561-4263 here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. But after that pick six from Quan Brown that Warren Saber picked off to get EC off to a great start, Georgia State took control of the opening quarter, scoring 21 unanswered points. They respond on their second drive, going 75 yards in five plays to tie the game up at seven. Then Cornelius Brown completed a 38-yard touchdown pass to Sam Pinckney, who Pinckney was huge in today's game and huge uh, figuratively uh, as well. He's uh, 6'5", big wide out, tough matchup for the Pirates on the outside, but that made it 14-7 Panthers. Then they followed up that score with a 22-yard touchdown pass from Brown to Jamari Thrash to make it 21-7, and that's how the first quarter ended, 21-7 Georgia State. Second quarter of play, Tucker Gregg four-yard touchdown run opened the scoring in the second for Georgia State to make it 28-7. ECU finally gets some points on the board at the 744 mark in the second quarter via 34-yard field goal from Jake Verity, making it 28-10. Then Holton Ehlers intercepts the pass that led to another, or throws an interception that led to another Georgia State touchdown as Brown hooked up with Sam Pinckney again for a 13-yard touchdown strike to make it 35-10. to 10. 35 points, the most and a half for Georgia State in program history. Then a 40-yard Jake Verity field goal closed the first half out. Georgia State held a 35-13 lead at the break. Third quarter, ugly quarter of football for both teams. They trade possessions to open the third. ECU able to force a turnover as Jaquan McMillan intercepted Juan Brown, but ECU unable to move the football after that. Georgia State turned it over again as ECU recovered a fumble at the 9.55 mark of the third. Then the Pirates turn it over for the second time as Holton Ehlers throws, uh, overthrows his target and was picked off. Then finally, some points in the third. A 48-yard Jake Verity field goal was the only scoring in the third quarter as Georgia State held a 35-16 lead after three. Then in the fourth, Holton Ehlers throws a pick six with about 13 minutes left in the game giving Georgia State a 42-16 lead. Thought the game at that point was pretty, uh, pretty well in hand. But then things turned a little bit, and there was some momentum that swinged a little bit ECU's way on 4th and 14 from the Georgia State 31. ECU runs a fake field goal and scores on a Tyler Sneed 31-yard run to make it 42-23 Panthers. Then Blake Prohl blocks a punt on 4th and 1 and returns at 29 yards for a touchdown, cutting the lead to 42-29. Jake Verdi missed the PAT after that score, and then to close out the scoring on the day, a five-yard touchdown run from Dustin Coates made it 49-29 Georgia State. That was the final score today from Atlanta as the Pirates dropped to 0-2. Let's go to the phone lines right now. 252-561-4263 is the number here on the No Quarter Post Game Show on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com and on Facebook Live if you're watching right now. Ricky in, did you say Ricky in Raleigh is on the line. Ricky, how are you, man? What's on your mind? <sighs> that says it all right there, Ricky. I'm, 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 do we have a number of – because obviously I don't, I don't think we all know this team well enough to know interior linemen. But did we have the same guys on the team 
in this game today is is what we had. Or is, is anybody looked into that to see versus last week? I mean, we're talking a whole seven days later. I'm trying to understand. I mean, did COVID get all of them? I'm I'm, I'm confused. I'm really confused. It, it looked like a much different football team than what we saw a week ago, and that's why I I, I looked at this game today. And despite the opponent being a very good UCF team a week ago, I really thought ECU would turn things around and play much better in all aspects. I, I, look, I didn't think they would go to Georgia State and, and win by two or three touchdowns, but I thought they would win, and I thought you would see improvement. And I just didn't see improvement really in any area, especially along the offensive line, which I know is – there's some experience there, but some guys have been moved around a lot along the front, Ricky, and um, they're just not, as you heard the announcers say, they're, they're just not gelling together right now. I just, uh, I mean, but physically, they handled us. I mean, did you see the same game? I mean, they handled us, but we're talking, you know, four-star kids from UCF could not do that last week. I mean, we're talking Georgia State. We're, I mean, I watched the Louisiana game, but I'm just trying to understand if this was the same team, how you cannot be that. It was pathetic. I mean, Ehlers had zero, zero time to throw the ball. We had zero run game, zero, like zero. Uh, I can't remember a game that pathetic up front. Um, on the offensive front, I, I just I'm, – I'm really confused. I mean, I didn't see where – uh, we had a ton of COVID guys. I, I didn't see anything like that. So I'm just trying to understand how you can get manhandled. I can't believe that Georgia State has any better coaching staff. We've recruited well. I know they had a pretty good kid at QB, but this kid was playing high school ball last year, right? Yeah, I I, I, I don't I, – I hear what you're saying, and, and, and I'm with you, and I'm trying to figure it out too. I think a lot of Pirate fans are trying to figure out I, – I know Coach Houston was asked – uh, early in his press conference this afternoon, you know, what is the identity of this football team right now through two games? And I think he's even still trying to figure it out, as is the coaching staff. But, Ricky, I look at this Georgia State team, and this is what jumped out to me. You're talking about a Sunbelt team with uh, a, a, a program with, again, not any tradition really at all in football. And they look like at times they, like they had – yeah, they, they, they had better athletes on the field, in my opinion – this afternoon, at least in today's game. I don't know if that will be the case as the season goes on, but today they look like the better football team, and that's what I didn't expect. I didn't expect to see, to watch this game and think to myself, Georgia State has a better football team right now. Did you expect that? I didn't. I know. It's, it's just concerning. It's, it's, I mean, I just I felt like with the coaching staff we have, even I know we, we've got some of the riffraff left over, but I really felt like, we could definitely hang with this bunch after last week. I saw promising things, even though, yeah, every time we fumbled, the ball was not tucked in high and tight, which you got to coach that. Um, but, you know, you, you expect to move the ball. And to not move the ball, I can't remember the last time we couldn't move the ball on Off- anybody. Offensive and line. It, 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 even the, three years ago. I mean, very, concerning, very concerning. And you mentioned the, the, uh, the struggles they had. 50 yards total on the ground today for ECU. I, and that's uh, – that, that just can't get it done. And we knew coming into 2020 that ECU had to find a way to run the football better than what they have over the course of the past five seasons, not just in 2019, but over the course of the past five seasons. And they didn't do it again today. 
You know, and, and again, the offensive line, I, you can say everything you want to say about everything that's happened up to this point with this year of football. I know COVID-19 has played, has wreaked havoc on so many different things, but the offensive line play, you're right. Holton had no time to throw the football. He seemed to get pressure every single play, and he's just not going to be as effective if you can't give him two two or three more seconds or two or three seconds at all to look downfield to make plays. It's just not going to happen for this offense if he doesn't have any time, and he was getting pressured the entire afternoon. And I think it frustrated him. I think it frustrated the receivers. And as a result, the offense just unable to do anything. No off. I mean, I mean it, it was, couldn't do anything from the get go. From the get go uh, until the end of the game. I mean, I felt horrible for Ailers. I mean, I, I, I just don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I would like to know. I mean, I, it, and again, I, I don't know this interior front because honestly, nobody's impressed us in the last five years up front to know who the heck is playing up front. But I just felt like last week we could move the ball on an excellent UCF defense. You know, we recruited second best in the conference. And it, and, it, and it looked like we did. And then you you fly into Atlanta and you look like you never played the game. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I know COVID is, you know, like you said, it, it's got to be frustrating. But I would like to know, I mean, is, is it, was it, did we move some guys around completely that just didn't play last week? In a week, did that really happen? Because well, Chris Willis I can't remember guy. the last time we had no offensive touchdowns, correct? I don't think we had one today, right? Correct. And, and Chris Willis is one guy they, they, they did move around. And of course, he was ejected today for targeting in the game, but uh, not, you know, not a huge difference uh, besides his addition. Of course, they were hoping he could play a week ago. He did not play today, this being the Appalachian State transfer, Chris Willis. And, right, uh, right. but, but well, he, you know, he didn't play long. And listen, you know, they're just, when I look at it, Ricky, the, the difference in the physicality up front between these two. Uh, I don't know if it was that, or I don't know if it was the, the, the speed up front for Georgia State was a factor. I just, it, ECU just had a hard time protecting Holton Aylers the entire afternoon. I thought maybe that would be the case early on, but not for the duration of the game. And it was pretty much for the duration of the entire game. They had a hard time protecting him. And I don't want to put everything on the offensive line because, listen, uh, you know, it, there, a lot, there's a lot of, of finger pointing we can do from this game today from what we saw. But that unit, that unit, has to get better. That unit has played yeah, has played uh, has played poorly now for the past uh, three or four games, going back to last season, and um, you just got to get better. Hey, Ricky, we appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks so much. Two five two five six one four two six three. CJ the Pirate is on the line. CJ, what's up, man? Thanks for calling the No Quarter Post Game Show. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Uh, that was that was something else. I mean, that was uh, you know people. I hear people putting the blame on the offensive line, and, you know, they played bad, but people need to start talking about Holt Mailers. I mean, the guy completed 4.8, 4. Uh, you know, yards per attempt and had three interceptions, and we didn't score an offensive touchdown all day. I can't, I mean, disagree, he, I can't disagree with you on that. I mean, Holton has to play better. You're right. I, I, I thought today Holton made some bad decisions, and, and the one pick that he had today I, I think was his last pick I, I, I thought was his worst-looking interception he's had in his entire career because he had time to throw the football. I, I, I don't – I heard the announcer say that, you know, he, he, he probably wasn't aware that he was going to have that much time and, and, and he forced the throw in. But that was a bad throw in that situation. Holton cannot do that. And I think you're right. I mean, it, 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 you can't put everything on the offensive line. They played bad. But Holton has got to make better decisions with the football. 
For sure. And, and another thing is the play calling. I mean, you look in the first quarter, I mean, it was like our first two drives, it was just inside zone and bubble screens getting us nowhere. I mean, we, I think we had like three yards on our first two drives. I mean, if the defense is going to blitz seven, we got to go over the middle. And I didn't see enough of that today. Yeah, we didn't attack the middle at all. And I, and I thought throwing to the short side of the field in certain situations really got ECU nowhere, and they needed to try to stretch the field. And that's why I said, you know, to, to open the show, trying to get C.J. Johnson involved, who appears to be right now our only deep threat. I haven't seen it really yet through two games. You know, we, we know he can be. But getting him involved uh, in the offense as much as possible is what you have to do. Couldn't do it again today. ECU unable to move the football vertically, and that's a problem for this football team because they're going to have to rely on the pass now. Look, C.J., we talked about it coming into the season. They wanted to try to run the football more to prove that they can. Haven't proved that yet. Therefore, they're going to have to throw the football and be effective in doing so. And today, they just weren't. They just weren't doing it. And I thought, listen, everybody talked about, are we going to see Mason Garcia come in? Is he going to play at some point in this game? The highly touted freshman, maybe perhaps, certainly since Holton, uh, the most highly touted freshman ECU has brought into the program in a long, long time. We saw Mason Garcia late in the game. Did you think, CJ, we, sh- we should have seen Garcia earlier than what we did? Well, well, Ben's going to know who I wanted in the game, and that's Ryan Stubblefield. Um, I've <laughs> talked to Terrence about him as well. He's a guy that has an absolute cannon of an arm, and he's got, he, he, can, he can go through all of his reads. And uh, I'm, I was just really impressed with him. And I hope that, you know, Garcia is a guy, the highly talented guy, that he'll probably get the nod. And I would like to see somebody else come in. But my personal guy would be Stubblefield, if possible. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I – didn't, uh, I, I, of course, know who he is. And uh, I, I didn't think about him much playing today. But I've heard good things about him. You know, I, yeah, you're right. Garcia is going to be the guy they go with first. Um, big arm, big kid can run the football a lot like Holton in a sense. Um, but I think, I listen, we have two years left counting the season with Holton Aylers, and I still think he's the guy. But you can't overlook how good I think Mason Garcia is expected to be. Therefore, at some point this season, if things continue to get worse with the offense, I hope they won't. But if they do, then I think you got to give him a shot. Uh, to run this to run this offense. I don't know what's going on in practice. I think there has to be something going on with in, in practice that's not giving Mike Houston the confidence to go ahead and play him. Because if you have a guy like that on the sideline who we who we think has the ability to be really, really good, you have to give him a shot. So something's going on during the week that's not giving Coach Houston and or Donnie Kay enough confidence in him to put him in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm with you on that. But a thing I noticed, too, with Holton, he didn't really galvanize the troops today. You know, when you're down that big, you got to get your team on the same page and say, hey, no matter what the score is, we got to go down and get some points on the board here. And I, he just looked defeated the whole day. And as the leader of the football team, you can't do that. He did, and he got beat up a lot today, too. CJ, thanks for the phone call. We appreciate that. 252-561-4263 is the phone number here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. You're right. Good point. And I think, you know, I think Holton would agree with that. I think looking back, he's going to wish he had, he had made that effort. But I think, I think you're right. I think, they, I think the entire team looked uh, pretty defeated early once they got down big. And uh, so, you know, those are things you have to uh, – it, it's hard to do uh, when you're expected to play better, when really you're expected to win a game and you have what happened today uh, have happened. So 
Uh, this is another quarter post-game show here on 94.3 The Game. Again, we'll have uh, more from Coach Houston coming up. We'll look at some individual numbers and team stats today as the Pirates fall to Georgia State 49-29. Stay tuned. More to come on the No Quarter post-game show here on 94.3 The Game. Guess who's back? Back again. Another season of ECU football coverage. Socially distanced, of course. Six feet, buddy. The No Quarter Postgame Show on 94.3 The Game. The No Quarter Postgame Show here on 94.3 The Game. Thanks to our Interbank Media Pirate Partners, Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color. Boards, Old Time Barbecue, Transportation Impact, and Caribsea Restaurant. Thank you for your support of our coverage of ECU football here on 94 the game the entire season. I'm Trent McGee, Ben Byron, producing today's show. Phone lines are open at 252-561-4263. If you would like to chime in, just had someone remind me that uh, we could get, or we being ECU, could get Holton Aylers back for a third year because of everything going on this season, this season, not counting against uh, eligibility. And so uh, everybody could, could be back for an additional year um, after, after this season, So, which is a, uh, a good thing, I think, for all teams across the country. Again, we're going to hear from ECU head football coach Mike Houston coming up. We'll get some player quotes as well. Ben Byron will have a... Scoreboard update, a lot of uh, top 25 action from today uh, that's taking place currently, and uh, we'll have those scores for you coming up here on the No Quarter Post Game Show here on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Some individual numbers from today for the Pirates. Holton Aylers, 29 of 50, 242 yards, three interceptions on the afternoon, and no touchdowns for Aylers on the day. Running the football, it wasn't much of it from ECU. The Pirates only able to muster 50 yards on the ground. They were led by Tyler Sneed with that one 31-yard run on the, on the fake field goal, which I'm laughing about because it was just well, I did a great play call. I didn't see it coming. I was watching that and going, whoa. I mean, that just came out of nowhere. And uh, very clever call there from ECU on that on that 4th uh, and 14 fake field goal. And Tyler Sneed takes it off the left side for a Touchdown run. He led the Pirates in rushing, but it's not a good sign when your lone fake field goal run for a touchdown ends up being uh, the one game that leads your team in rushing on the afternoon. ECU just, there were no running lanes uh, the entire afternoon. Uh, the entire group of backs that played Chase Hayden, Darius Pinks Jr., Raji Harris, Keaton Mitchell, and even Aylers just could not get anything going this afternoon on the ground. And again, the ECU backfield missing. I think the speed of Demetrius Mooney, they were hoping to have him back today. He did not play this afternoon in that game. And I'm just not seeing right now any big burst of speed from these backs. I mean, granted, there were no uh, running lanes today at all and not sure that that speed would have made up for much of anything today. But when the backs are getting the football, I'm just not seeing, you know, when there is a slight hole or a slight lane, any uh, opening of light for the backs to run. I'm just not seeing that burst of speed to get there. Uh, from the current backs playing right now. So, again, a couple of guys, Keaton Mitchell, Harris, uh, young, Chase Hayden, new to the program, still young. It's a very young running back core, with the exception of the junior, Darius Penix, who, again, uh, and I want to mention this, tough afternoon for Penix 
this afternoon. Of course, if, uh, if, if you follow ECU football, uh, you're aware that, that Darius lost his father uh, last weekend. So for him to even be able to play in today's game, that says a lot about his character and a lot about Darius Penix Jr. You can say what you want. Didn't have a great game. Um, six carries, one yard. Not a good game, but he had um, he, he he was playing with a lot uh, on his shoulders. He was having to carry the burden of so much today, personally. So tough afternoon for him. Was hoping that um, he might have a big game, and uh, I know he wanted to. Of course, he changed his number this week from seven to forty to honor his late father. So again, thoughts and prayers going out to Darius Penix Jr. and his family on that loss last weekend. Just really hate that for him, and uh, that, was, that was heartbreaking for, for Penix. But collectively, this group, again, they have to get better. The offensive line has to get better. I know I keep saying that. I hate to beat a dead horse, but you know that's where ECU has to find some improvement. We know this football team, again, look, they have the pieces in place to be an effective passing offensive unit. We know that. They still have, I think, one of the best receiving cores in the American Conference. They just have to find a way now to really incorporate C.J. Johnson, get him involved. I heard Kevin Monroe on the call after the game today. I thought he made a great point. He talked about, is C.J. Johnson almost too heavy at his weight? Being 6'3", 236, Kevin made the point, you know, should does need to slim down a little bit. Can't do much about that this season, but, you know, maybe hard to break away from guys at that weight. He's, he's a physically gifted young man, no doubt about that. Has tremendous hands. They're big hands can go up and get the football and just snatch it out of the air. But he's your go-to guy, certainly down the field. Can make plays, can take a hit and make the catch. Got to find a way to get him the football. Audio Matosho had a great game against UCF. Not so much today. So you have to worry about his consistency. But we know C.J. Johnson is a guy that can be consistent for the Pirates. So I know that Donnie Kirkpatrick wants to get the football in his hands. Because that combination of Holton Aylers and CJ is, is, is one that's deadly and effective and can really hurt football teams. So that, that combo has to get going. Hopefully it will. Good game today for Blake Prohl. I thought Blake Prohl made some tremendous catches this afternoon. 11 catches, 83 yards. Tyler Sneed, 11 catches, 111 yards. So he led the team. So a good game for those two today. But again, CJ Johnson is a guy that you really have to um, – you have to want to get involved in your offense because of the playmaking ability that he has. And ECU has to, again, offensively, has to try and stretch the football vertically. We saw the Pirates go to that no-back set there the third to try to get something up on the board quick. They couldn't run the football. I think they said the heck with the running game for now. Let's throw it. Let's spread the defense out. And uh, But, again, there was nothing there in the middle of the field. And some of those throws that Holtie made today on the sidelines just didn't, just didn't work out. And so they have to find a way to get uh, – they got into a little rhythm, I thought, Ben, in that third quarter. And once the offense gets in that rhythm, you can see, you can see how good it can be. But then it's like one or two plays backs them up. They lose yards, and that just and, and that ends that rhythm, and they and they're unable to really get back into it. So and at that point, ECU had dug such a big hole, and the first half was such a big hole for this team to come out of uh, being down so big there at the break, twenty-one to seven. Um, you know, it's just offensively um, and, and defensively. And we, we keep talking about the offense not performing today, but the defense, too, has to get better. I still haven't seen it yet from the secondary. 
Um, I'm still seeing defensive backs that really aren't turning and finding the football. They're getting their hands up and they're making some plays, you know. But let's be honest about it. When you have a defensive back in coverage going up against a receiver and they throw their hands up, which is what they're supposed to do, but if they knock it down or the ball hits their hands, that's really kind of the luck of the draw. Kind of turn and find the football and make some plays. Now, a great opening defensive play by Warren Sable to get that pick, but I, I, I need to see more of that, you know, from, from, uh, from this defense. So the scheme that Blake Harrell has, he has a lot of blitzes in there. How do you kind of feel about that? Because I feel like that was, that was a, that, that kind of really hindered the defense a little bit, having so many blitzes. I think Georgia State called on kind of early and was able to manipulate that. And I haven't talked about that much at all. I didn't last week and, ha- and haven't yet today, but we're seeing Harold dial up more blitz packages maybe than we've ever seen this ECU defense run, certainly in quite some time. I think it does at times. I think it depends on when you call those blitz packages uh, in the game. But we saw the – but look, they still couldn't really put any pressure on Brown. Zero sacks again today, zero sacks against UCF, and he tried to do the same thing last week and just unable to get much pressure on the quarterback. So – if they're going to do that, they got to find a way to get back there uh, and disrupt the opponent's passing game. They couldn't do it today. I, I think it does have an impact some, but uh, also, too, the secondary has to communicate better. I mean, I know we keep seeing you know, people say this, these guys are young, they're inexperienced. Yeah, they are, but you got to communicate better. I mean, there were some busted coverages again this afternoon for that ECU secondary, and that resulted in some big plays for Georgia State's offense. Speaking of their offense, Quan Brown today, 18 of 28, 238 yards, three touchdowns. He did have two picks on the afternoon, but the Panthers' rushing attack, they ran for 247 yards. They were led by Destin Coates, who had 23 carries for 113 yards and two touchdowns on the day. And Sam Pinkney, the big six foot four receiver, who is a sophomore, by the way, and he looked really good. I mean, he looked really, really good. And this is the second consecutive week the Pirates have seen some really good wideouts. We saw it with UCF last week, but Pinckney was a matchup problem being 6'4", and you have a Jaquan McMillan who's 5'9". That's going to be tough for any defensive back to overcome. And I thought Brown did a good job today of putting the football where he had to to give Pinckney a chance to make plays. Pinckney had seven catches for 134 yards and two touchdowns on the day. Uh, Cornelius McCoy, seven catches for 59 yards. But Pinckney was the man. You knew Brown wanted to go to him, and he did often in today's game. So those are your individual numbers from today's contest. We'll have a scoreboard update when we come back after this timeout. And again, taking your phone calls if you want to get one in, 252-561-4263 is the number here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. Ben Barm here for your No Quarter Post Game Show scoreboard update from the American. South Florida traveling to 15th-ranked Cincinnati in the second quarter. It's a close one as Cincinnati only leads by a touchdown, 7 to zip. Meanwhile, 25th Memphis, 25th-ranked Memphis travels to SMU in the second quarter. SMU absolutely pounding-ranked Memphis, 24-3. Shane Bouchelle is having the game of his life right now in the first half, throwing for 265 yards and three touchdowns. From the ACC, some in-state teams as 12th-ranked UNC travels up to Boston College in the second quarter. It's a close one as UNC only leads 14-13. NC State battled it out against Pittsburgh. That one was a barn burner. NC State pulling off the upset against 24th-ranked Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh winning 30 to 29. Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett threw for 411 yards in that game and a touchdown. 
Meanwhile, Virginia Tech's currently at Duke in the second quarter. That game is all tied up with a touchdown apiece for each game for each team. And for the top 25, 13th ranked Texas A&M and second ranked Alabama in the second quarter, Alabama barely leading Texas A&M by a touchdown, 21 to 14. And wrapping up, there was a big upset today as TCU pulled off the upset against ninth ranked Texas. TCU won 33 to 31. The quarterback, TCU quarterback Max Duggan. Rushed for 79 yards in that game and two touchdowns. If you're a No Quarter Post Game Show scoreboard update, I've been borrowing more from Trent McGee on the No Quarter Post Game Show after this quick timeout. This is WRHD HD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. You're locked in to the No Quarter Post Game Show with Trent McGee and Eric Graham. Are you ready? Let's go! Go! Join the show at 252-561-GAME or catch the replay at 943thegame.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the No Quarter Post Game Show here on 94.3 The Game. I'm Prince McGee, Ben Byron producing, flanked to his right by Derek Alcorn. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. ECU falling to Georgia State 49-29 is the final today from Atlanta. The Pirates now 0-2 on the season. We'll try to get win number one next Saturday as they take on USF. They get back to conference play. So the Pirates close out what was a one-game non-conference slate here in 2020. Again, Still no word yet on what the Pirates may do, if anything, with the Marshall contest that was scheduled to be played to open the season back on September 12th. No word yet. So as of right now, ECU closing out its non-conference slate today against Georgia State. We'll take on USF. 7 o'clock kickoff next weekend from Atlanta. The Pirate Game Day countdown will come your way at 4 o'clock with Patrick Johnson, Terrence Copper, and company as they'll lead you up to network coverage beginning at 6 o'clock. That game you can hear right here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. You just heard Ben Byram give that top uh, 25 scoreboard update and a couple of top 25 teams uh, in a dogfight right now. Alabama, they're up now two touchdowns over Texas A&M, 28-14. North Carolina holding on to a slim 14-13 lead right now in Boston College. Speaking of, ECU's next opponent, USF, they're taking on 15th-ranked Cincinnati, and they're down early in that game by two scores, 14 to nothing, as that game is about to wrap up the first half. And other scores in the American Conference from the top 25, number 25 Memphis, they're down right now to SMU in a high-scoring affair in the first half, 24 to 17. And coming up tonight in the American, number 11 UCF. We think they're a better team than. Number 11, we'll find out again tonight how good they are. They take on Tulsa, who is 0-1. That game is set for 7:30 there in Orlando. The Knights are a 21-point favorite in that game. So, right now, the American Conference, again, looking like UCF is the top team. I think, Ben, they'll have a pretty easy go of it tonight hosting Tulsa. We'll find out. Hey, they upset them last year, so you never know. Maybe never that know. might have be a mental thing in their head. You never know. You never know. ECU today had their streak of 10 straight games with a touchdown pass snapped. So the Pirates, again, no touchdowns this afternoon, um, which concerning for an offense that we know can throw the football and can find the end zone in that way, unable to do so this afternoon. Um, 
The Pirates have forced at least one turnover now in 12 of the last 13 games with three today. So again, to go back to my keys for what I had in this football game today, that was to force turnovers. They did that three on the afternoon. Try to get C.J. Johnson involved in the passing game. Unable to do that. And again, I go back to a point Kevin Monroe made. I thought he also made another excellent point. C.J. tends to get frustrated at times when he's covered well and he's unable to get separation and make plays. Got to find a way to get over that part of it. And again, that comes with being, I still think, young. Just a sophomore. So a lot of growing to do in that regard for C.J. Johnson but still a very talented wide receiver. My third day was to be effective on first down. I thought Georgia State put themselves in a much better position on first down than what the ECU offense did. And, you know, if ECU wants to try to establish that ground game early in the game and and to be a more effective running team, I think they just have to have a better first down ratio than what they've had now through two games. Uh, because we've seen they're unable to really get the ground game going. So give yourself a, uh, a shorter second and or third down to have to work with. I thought today I looked up and it seemed like the third downs, it was third and eight, third and 12, third and 14. Those third long situations you cannot put your offense in, especially when you get down big in a football game. Speaking of third down, ECU now through two games, 14 of 35 on third down through two games. That has to get better. There's no doubt about that. But again, they're facing third and long. I mean, it seems like so many times. And it's tough on an offense when your offensive line isn't playing the well, playing that well to try to get a first down when it's third and 10-plus yards every time out. It's just tough to do. But again, they have to find a way to get better on third down, and I think that starts with better play up front uh, on first down. ECU defense has now allowed 1,117 yards of total offense through its first two games of, of uh, 2020 defensive play. Again, you know, just got to make more plays. I mean, that's, it's very cliche, very easy for me to say, but you got to make more plays defensively. Get some stops when you have to get them. I mean, they need to, to, to find a way to get some big stops in games. You know, we haven't seen that defense do enough of that over the course of the past few seasons. But to get big stops in key situations, get off the field on third down. Saw a little bit in the second half today, not much in the first half at all. And the Pirates have to get better, too, in the penalty uh, area. 22 penalties on the afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, through two games now uh, for ECU 11 again today. We're going to sign off on Facebook Live right now. We tried that, and I think that we will continue with that as the No Quarter Post Game Show continues this season. We'll sign off there, so thank you for watching this afternoon. If you tuned in via Facebook Live, we'll go ahead and take another time out here and come back. More to come on the No Quarter Post Game Show here on 94.3 The Game. Back to the No, back to the no Quarter Post Game Show. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we're just excited football's back. Back to the No Quarter Post Game Show with Trent and Eric on 94.3 The Game. We are going to hear from ECU head football coach Mike Houston. We got some guys in the back right now getting that audio ready for you as he had his Zoom press conference following today's game. So we'll get some sound coming up here in just a bit. From the head football coach of the Pirates, Mike Houston. Ben, I got to see some more pressure from this defensive front from ECU. Again, zero sacks through two games. 
And, you know, it's been a while, I think, since ECU's had a big-time playmaker along the defensive line that is, a, is, is someone that opposing teams have to watch out for that can really get some pressure on the quarterback, cause some disruptions in the running game and passing game. Haven't had that in a while. And this defensive front has got to find a way to be able to do that. I still think they're undersized on both sides of the football. That's an issue. But you have to find a way to overcome that as best you can and try to make some plays. I think part of the problem is that most of them are not Houston's guys. He didn't recruit them. So they're probably not up to par where he wants them to be. Like you said, a lot of them are undersized. Houston, of course, wants bigger guys, the prototypical defensive linemen. And also, when you look on the offensive side of the ball, it's a lot of patchwork stuff. You're looking at these defensive line and offensive line, there's a lot of transfers. And, I mean, that's good and all, but these are guys that have not been with the program for a while. They literally just developed over the summer. I mean, they don't have chemistry. They haven't really gelled. And it's, it just hasn't looked good. You can't just get by with just transfers. And I know it's not Houston's fault. I mean, what he was given and left over on the offensive line and the defensive line wasn't great. So he's trying to patchwork it with transfers, and it's the best he can do right now, I think. And I think guys like Hickman and, and Rick DeBrayu can be guys who can make plays. And yeah, I think they need a little more time, but I think they're guys that can make some plays. And, you know, we as fans want things to happen so much quicker than what they obviously happen for teams, especially when you are 0-2 to start the season. And it's not going to happen in the blink of an eye. I get that. But I, I look at this football team right now, and, and I brought up the identity of the football team because Coach Houston was asked about that earlier in his press conference this afternoon. I brought that up in the first segment of today's show. And I look at it and think it's a team that has certain players at certain positions that I feel like, I honestly feel like, can have more of an impact. And we just haven't seen it yet. And I think they're guys that, although they might not be Houston's recruits, that are still talented guys that aren't making enough plays. And so that's, that's got to happen, I think, for this football team to be more effective. You know, USF coming up next weekend, it's nothing but American play here throughout. So USF is not going to be the USF we've seen in the past. They're not a pushover whatsoever. They're not a pushover, but they're not as good as they've been in yeah. recent years. So it's a game It's going to be tough for the Pirates. They'll be underdogs going into it, but it's a team, I think it's a game they can win if they can make the proper adjustments this week and build some confidence back in right now. I think right now, Ben, the biggest thing for this football team, they need some confidence. I mean, you, 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 you're 0-2. Lose by 20 to Georgia State. You need some confidence well, you just right now. Look, going into halftime in the UCF game and then coming out of halftime in this game, those guys just look drained. Not only that, when a when a play didn't go their way, they just looked defeated. They didn't want to bounce back. They didn't, it, like you said, they didn't have the confidence, the excitement level to bounce back. Let's get at the next one. They just let it consume them and suffocate them, and it 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 really showed in their play, in my opinion. Jaquan McMillan's interception today was his, I'm sorry, not Jaquan McMillan, Warren Saba's interception today was his first career interception for the Pirates, uh, for, for, for McMillan. And it was the first pick six 
3CU since October of 2015. So 53 games had gone by before ECU had had another pick six. So it was good to see Warren Slater pick off his first career pass for a touchdown, returning that one 28 yards for the Pirates to open up the scoring today in today's game. And again, it was the start you wanted. On the road, that kind of start, you know, was... was Seemed that, like they were setting the tone. That's what you wanted to do. It was, it, was a, it was a tone setter, or at least I thought it was going to be. Turned out not to be the case. Georgia State reeling off 21 unanswered points there in that quarter. So ECU just unable to get anything going offensively. And that defense was on the field again today a lot. And that made it tough for them. Mason Garcia did make his collegiate debut today in the fourth quarter, attempting two passes, both incomplete. He did have one rush for 10 yards on the afternoon. So, again, there was so much talk, Ben, about Mason Garcia coming in at some point. Did you think, Ben, we should have seen Garcia earlier than what we did? Absolutely not. Uh, With that offensive line, there was no way he was going to succeed. You don't want to throw him into the fire like that. I mean, I know how people are thinking it's a no-risk situation. They're already down. You're not expecting them to rally the team back. But me personally, I just don't think there was any way he could have looked good if he went out there, and it could have killed his confidence before his career even started. I, I thought about that, too, and I see both sides of it. I see it for Coach Houston. I, I, I see it, you know, you don't want to hurt Holton Naylor's confidence right now, although I think he's, he's certainly at a point in his career where he could take it if he has to be benched for a game due to bad play. On the flip side, I didn't see a problem with Mason Garcia getting in the game today to get a few snaps in because I felt like the game, you know, I hate when people, and, I, and I'm guilty of it, I'll call games early when teams jump up big and get up by two or three touchdowns and thinking this game's over. I hate to do that, but I've done it. I did it today. I thought it today. So I thought, why not go ahead and give Garcia a shot? Let him get some snaps. You're not going to lose anything by playing him, obviously. Um, he has four more years here. Five, I guess. So I thought maybe Coach Houston might give him a shot earlier than what he did. And he didn't, but he, you know, he let him get in there late. And, and you're right. I mean, the offensive line play, maybe that was the reason why. I mean, he knew even you bring him in with the way the offensive line's playing. And, you know, it's just I, I don't know how much reward you can expect out of that situation given the way the O-line was playing. But I thought he could have gotten in maybe a little earlier than what he did. But I also see your point as to why he didn't play him earlier. So I think Holton will get better. It's hard to be patient right now with this football team, you know, it, it, it's especially after today's performance because I think everyone thought what happened against UCF was likely to happen. One of the best football teams in the country. Didn't expect this kind of performance against Georgia State. Thought it might be a close game. Not surprised the Panthers won the game. I am surprised the Panthers won the game by 20 points. I think everyone is. And I think everyone's surprised at the way ECU played. And to not come out with more energy and to play as bad as they did offensively after that pick six by Warren Saber to open the game was disappointing for fans, for the coaching staff, and, I, and for the players. And I thought CJ made a good point when he called in earlier on, on today's show. Didn't really see anyone trying to rally the troops on the side. It may have been going on, and we just missed it. I hope it was. But this team looked defeated too early in the game today, 
and that just makes it tough for a team to get back into it. It it just does. A lot of the play looked like they were going through the motions, like they didn't want to be there. They they counted themselves out before they could even give them ch- themselves a chance to win. The lone bright spot today, I thought, was Blake Prohl. A career-high 11 catches, 83 yards. He now has at least one reception in 17 straight games going back to 2018. And he scored his sixth career touchdown on a blocked punt in the fourth quarter. Tremendous play by Prohl. And the catch he made on third down when he went up and got it, that was one heck of a catch. That, yeah, that was huge. I tell you, he, he, he shows signs sometimes of being a really, 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 and we know he is. He had a couple of big games last year. It's in his genes. It is, being the son of Ricky Prohl. But he can make some plays. He doesn't look, when you look at him, he doesn't look like a guy that is super athletic, but he is and can make some tremendous catches. Not very fast. Not a, a, not a huge guy either. Not a big guy. Little guy. Good route runner, but good hands. He knows how to play the position. And I think Terrence Copper would agree, having played it, that there's a difference in a guy just being gifted and a guy knowing how to play the position. Blake Prohl, as you said, has it in his blood, knows how to play the wide receiver position. Maybe he's the guy this season that Holton builds that connection with, as he did with CJ, midway point and to end 2019. Who knows? But if you can get all three of those guys on the same page and get Tyler Sneed more involved, because those that's, that's the three-headed monster right there, obviously, for this offense. CJ Johnson, Blake Prohl, and Tyler Sneed. And there's always Omatosho out there. If you can get him involved. If, if you can, yeah. again, you know, I need some consistency from him. But again, Ben, it all starts with the offensive line play. If you're not giving a guy time to throw the football and to make some reads, I mean, Holton had no time to even make reads today. He threw some bad balls, bad interceptions. But he was forced out of the pocket so much, having to run for his life, and he got beat up a lot today. I mean, Holton, he's a tough kid, but he took some shots again today as he did against UCF. It was almost routine. He was getting hit after every single play. It was kind of gross. It was disgusting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, um, you know, and, and you got to keep him healthy. And so that was another reason why I thought maybe you might see Mason Garcia come in a little bit earlier than what he did because of some of the shots Holton was taking, you know, when I thought the game was well in hand by Georgia State. But the Pirates tried to make a run. They kept things interesting there late in the game with a couple of key special teams plays, the fake field goal and the block punt. And you thought, okay, maybe. But again, the offense just unable to get things going. Third quarter was huge for ECU because they were just unable to muster anything, and I thought they were going to have to get a couple of touchdowns or at least one early in that third quarter to give this offensive confidence. Never got that going. Just never got it going, and and that was a big difference, I thought, in the game as well. well let's take one more time out here, come back, and uh, we hope we'll hear from Coach Houston. After this break, you're listening to the No Quarter Post Game Show on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. I'm sorry, what? And so do we. They're still playing football? Um, yeah, I, it's a long season. Honey. This is the No Quarter Post Game Show on 94.3 The Game. was the final score today. Georgia State over ECU, dropping the Pirates to 0-2 on the season. UCF. USF, always do that, USF, South Florida. Next up on the docket, October 10th, 7 o'clock kickoff from Tampa. 
The Pirate Game Day Countdown will come your way at 4 o'clock to get you ready for that game. I will not be here for the No Quarter Post Game Show next weekend. Expecting Patrick Johnson to fill in for me, so I appreciate that. And if you missed this morning's Pirate Game Day Countdown, you're missing one of the best pregame coverages of any of uh, of any team anywhere. PJ does a great job with that. He and Terrence Scott are getting you ready for the game. And so uh, be sure to tune in at 4 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game next Saturday as the Pirates get set to take on USF, leading up to network coverage at 6, followed by kickoff at 7, and then the No Quarter Post Game Show, a late edition, Ben, of the No Quarter Post Game Show coming up next weekend. So you guys might be here. Can't wait. I know you can't can. wait. Might be here for a while <laughs> next week. Again, no game times announced beyond USF with the exception of the November 13th Friday night contest at Cincinnati. So we'll wait. Should likely find out the Navy game time this week, perhaps another. We'll have to wait and find out. But the Pirates have to get back to the drawing board and get things squared away quickly. Uh, USF, again, will not be an easy opponent when the Pirates visit Tampa next weekend. Jake Verity had that one missed PAT, but he did move into second place on ECU's all-time scoring list today with his 40-yard field goal at the end of the second quarter. Um, He's now six shy of ECU's record. So Verity, again, he's one of the best kickers in the country, I think. And um, surprised he missed that PAT. Again, I don't know if that would have made much of a difference in the game at that point, but got to get those. But he uh, (laughs) he was the reason why ECU was able to get some points up on the board at all today. Without the leg of Verity, uh, this game may have been it may have been a 49-7 game. Who knows? Again, no offensive touchdowns um, today for the Pirates. The one touchdown came on that Tyler Sneed fake field goal. So, again, a brilliant call there. We ready to go to Mike now? We have some comments from ECU head football coach Mike Houston from his press conference this afternoon following today's game. Uh, and we'll begin with uh, Coach Houston's opening statement following Georgia State's 49-29 win. Um, you know, I was very disappointed in the loss. Uh, they were exactly the team that I thought they were. You know, hats off to them. They've done a great job building that program. You know, they look like a very experienced group, uh, very good up front on both sides of the football. Uh, obviously, we did not uh, handle that uh, atmosphere and them very well in the first half and got ourselves in a pretty big hole. Um, appreciate the way the kids fought back and, you know, we at least got ourselves back in the game somewhat and gave ourselves a chance. Uh, you know, maybe to have a have a have a shot there at the end, and just uh, you know, a couple of mistakes there in the second half, fourth quarter that uh, you know just took our chances away. So um, obviously, we got to do a better job of preparing the group for uh, you know the start of the football game. Uh, you know, just you know after the pick six, which is as good a start as you can ask for, uh, we did not uh, handle everything very well. Coach, how disappointing was it not to be able to run? I, I thought Coach Houston said everything right there. I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up. And, and you think about the preparation, Ben, for this game. Coach Houston earlier this week talked about everything he said about Georgia State leading up to today's game was the case. They're a good football team. They're physical up front. And they have some offensive athletes that can make some plays. Brown is a dynamic quarterback. Uh, he only ran the football. I thought he was going to be more of a factor on the ground than what he was. He only ran it six times for 26 yards. But Threw three touchdown passes. And Sam Pinckney, again, good wide receiver on the outside. So everything that we had heard about Georgia State from Coach Houston going into today's game certainly turned out to be the case. Here was Coach Houston talking about 
and I mentioned this earlier too, what this football team's identity is right now through two games? Well, I mean, that's, that's the big question right now. I mean, uh, you know, you, you thought you had you know, a few things coming into the season. Obviously, what you do on the field shows your true identity. I know what I want it to be. I know what, you know, teams I have coached in the past are, and, and we certainly are not that yet. Um, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully we can use every experience to improve. And, you know, it's every, every experience for some of these guys is their first. And so, uh, you know, hopefully they can learn from that and be better the next time. This ECU offense, again, um, just unable to get much going today. They had 240 – I'm sorry, they had uh, 459 yards of total offense against UCF, one of the better teams in the country a week ago. But today, Ben, they were only able to muster uh, 286 yards to Georgia State's 485 yards on the ground. Here was Houston uh, talking about a disappointment in uh, ECU's offense today. Yeah, it's very disappointing. You know, certainly we all have higher expectations uh, for how we perform on the field. And um, disappointing we didn't get that output. You know, certainly would have made a huge difference in the ball game. Uh, you know, certainly excited to get two special team scores uh, and to get a defensive score. So uh, we just got to, we got to improve on that side of the football. Uh, we got to improve everywhere. But, uh, you know, we obviously got to improve on that side of the football this week. Obviously, the quarterback uh, is going to shoulder a lot of the blame in a loss and, and get a lot of, of the praise in a win. Uh, and today, Holton Ehlers, uh, not a good day for him. 29 of 50, 236 yards, three picks, no touchdowns. Uh, he talked about his performance saying, hey, it starts with me. Yeah, um, I got to be athletic enough to make plays even when that happens. Um, I just got to make good decisions when I do. Um, and I mean, it, like I said, I mean, it just starts with me and I got to be better. Running the football again, not a bright spot for the Pirate offense today. They actually ran it better a week ago against UCF. Just 50 total yards on the ground for ECU this afternoon. Here was Holton Aylers talking about ECU's inability to run the football. Yeah, I mean, they schemed us good. Um, I mean, they had a good defensive front. We'll give it to them. But, um, you know, it doesn't matter how good they are. We've got to be just as good or better. Um, just got to keep working. Like I said, I mean, we've got to win ballgames here. I came here to win, and that's what we got to do. So, just got to be better. Holton, what do you have to do this week to – Get ready and be. Got, got to keep working at it. Got to get back to work um, tomorrow. Uh, get back in the film room and, and figure out when these teams throw these schemes at you, how you can adjust, make in-game adjustments to be better offensively. A lot of football left to be played. Right now, it's disappointing. 0-2. Hoping to get a win today. Would have been huge going on the road at USF this uh, next weekend. But it didn't happen. So you just have to get back at it. Work at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a very... Tough sport, Ben, because there's so many guys you have to get on the same page. And that's, that's, that's what makes football, I think, one of the best sports in the country, but also one of the tough to be so successful at game in, game out, because everybody has to play their part and play their part very well for teams to win, especially when you're a football team who doesn't have uh, a ton of talent when you're young. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just speaking in general. But if, you, if you're young and experienced and you're not overly talented, that, that has to be the case. This football team has some talent. You know, they're young, they're inexperienced. You know, and that we, we say that all the time with this team. It's true, but at some point, people don't want to hear that anymore. And you have to find a way to, you know, to get over that hump. And that's what ECU's going to have to work at hard, uh, work hard at doing uh, moving forward here this season as now we're uh, going to be in conference play for the duration, and it all starts with USF next weekend. Let's go ahead and take our final time out here 
on the No Quarter Post Game Show. We'll come back and wrap things up. This is 94.3 The Game. The coverage that counts. The previous statement is now under review. After review, the statement stands. This radio station does have possession of the coverage and maintains possession throughout. This is the No Quarter Post Game Show with Trent McGee and Eric Graham on 94.3 The Game. On the final lap here of the No Quarter Post Game Show here on 94.3 The Game, I'm Trent McGee. Thanks to Ben Byron for producing today's show, Derek Alcorn for his work, Ron Smith, the, the righteous Ron Smith, right? Not the reverend, righteous the righteous Ron. Righteous Ron. Ron. And the ref, Philip Pilkington. Thank you guys for getting that sound from Coach Houston this afternoon. We appreciate that and all that you do to uh, make the Pirate Game Day countdown in the No Quarter Post Game Show what it is. So couldn't do it without you guys. We appreciate it. All of your efforts. If you're just uh, tuning in, I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, just now seeing that former ECU head basketball coach Jeff Lebo will join West Carteret High School as wow. assistant coach there on their basketball team. So former ECU head basketball coach Jeff Lebo is going back to uh, getting back into coaching on the high school level. He's joined up there at West Carteret. So best of luck to Coach Lebo there. Uh, in Moorhead City. ECU falling today to Georgia State 49-29. The Pirates will look to get back on track at USF a week from today. Again, that game time is set for 7 o'clock, and we will bring you full coverage beginning at 4 with the Pirate Game Day countdown right here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. want to thank our Interbanks Media Pirate Partners, Transportation Impact, Ship Smarter, Spend Less, Carib Sea Restaurant in Emerald Isle, Fish, Prime Raw, Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color, Quality Style at Affordable Prices, and Moore's Old Time Barbecue. That's good eating right there. I want to mention, too, that coming up at 103.7, our sister station tomorrow is going to be Panthers and Cardinals. One o'clock kickoff there for the Cats, looking to win their second consecutive game when they take on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals at one o'clock from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Follow all the action all season long of Panthers football on 103.7. WTIB. For Ben Byron producing, I'm Trent McGee. Thanks for being with us here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. Patrick Johnson in for you next week. I'll be out of town, but I'll be back with you for the Navy game. So until that time, have a great rest of your weekend and a great upcoming week. And as always, go 